0: listening to The Cooler Ring, a podcast made for manufacturing marketers. Here are Carmen Perry and Jeff White.
1: Welcome to The Cooler Ring, a podcast for manufacturing marketers brought to you by Cooler Partners. My name is Jeff White and joining me today is Carmen Perry. Carmen, how are you doing, sir? Delightful. Oh, and you? I'm doing delightful as well. Nice. Yeah. Well,
2: hard to do much better than that. <laughs>
1: it is indeed. Yeah. It's a beautiful day outside. We're recording podcasts.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's, yes. It's beautiful outside. Let's get inside and record something.
1: <laughs> well, it is minus 10. <laughs>
2: exactly. You know. Uh, yeah. We won't even get into Celsius Fahrenheit uh, conversion. No. For, no, exactly. I uh, say we'll our have to listeners. start converting currency. Yeah. It gets else. messy.
1: Yeah. But uh, I, am, I am really looking forward to our show today. We're going to be talking about a really interesting subject
2: yeah uh and kind of um, I think it's something that a, a, a lot of uh, uh, manufacturing marketers that um, that operate through a distribution channel uh, through industrial distribution I, I think it's a it's a topic area that is near and dear to their heart but maybe one that they don't always talk about at parties you know <laughs> I, I, I don't know it's like uh, uh you know, it doesn't get as much uh, exposure, maybe as it should.
1: Maybe not, and, and not that but we I, have parties these days, but no, if we no. did, no, that's true. If we did, um, but I do think it, it, you know, it goes to the heart of a lot of the challenges that manufacturing marketers and and sales teams face. It's just this, you know, having to deal with this third party distribution channel and its importance, and uh, and how you kind of get yourself positioned and promoted within it
2: yeah yeah and i mean it's interesting too because the power dynamic is always if you talk to distributors they um, yeah
1: there's
2: always two sides to this coin yeah so but uh, we're going to try to get uh at least one side of the coin today i
1: think so yeah yeah yeah. from a
2: fellow canadian i believe or a fellow canadian resident although the accent is not distinctly canadian (laughs) so i mean Uh, request clarification
1: once we get going. Yeah, yeah, I think we need to figure that out first. Mm, Yes, it's suspicious indeed. (laughs) So joining us today is Sean Donovan, and Sean is the digital channel manager for the Americas at MSA, the safety company. Welcome to the Cooler Ring, Sean.
3: Thank you very much. Nice to join you. Um, Thanks for having me. Uh, The the accent, by the way, is a a South African accent, uh, resident in Canada for 20 years next month. Um, So that. That sort of explains the accent.
2: That South African one's always a little sneaky for me. Like yeah. I think
3: I got it, and then it's like,
2: nope. But no, but, it, 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 but the people make that. I think it's often confused with Australian for some folks, and it's it so, is, yeah. And it shouldn't be. I mean, it's so obvious a difference. But yeah, uh, I, I think so too.
3: Anyway, yeah, we can act all superior now. I feel, I feel it's different, but yeah. Right. Then again, I can't tell many different parts of North American accents either, so. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't
2: know I just talk like wherever I'm at at the time like <laughs> you put me down anywhere near the Mason Dixon line and I'm starting with y'alls all the time
1: <laughs> I have a hard time not using that in an email with so many people that we work
2: Sean it's great to have you on the show and um, um, I, I'd love to just kind of start off by understanding a, a little bit more about uh, MSA the safety company um, and maybe tell us what y'all do and uh, what you do there
3: You did use the word Um, (laughs) y'all.
2: Intentionally.
3: Um, We all. (laughs) Uh, So MSA is a um, manufacturer of uh, industrial and uh, fire service uh, and fixed gas detection products. And uh, we have been in existence for over 100 years now, started in 1914 out of uh, Pennsylvania in the U.S., Pittsburgh, to be precise. And – yeah, we we manufacture products as I mentioned for the industrial sphere, um, fixed gas detection units, fire service products including self-contained breathing apparatus, um, turnout gear, and then on the industrial side, it's you know harnesses, portable gas detection, um, hard hats, respiratory protection, and then also self-contained breathing apparatus for industrial use. Um, My role specifically is uh, as a digital channel manager, isn't marketing channels and a lot of people kind of go, oh, well, you you deal with marketing channels. No, I'm dealing with sales channels and it's it's a sales role um, focused at improving our digital sales channels, how we we go to market, um, how we best serve our our digital channel partners and improve our overall digital offering for them and ultimately our uh, end users.
1: Very cool. And how, how long have you been with MSA? Uh,
3: just over 20 years, actually. Oh, wow. um, yeah, 20 years in uh, Canada next month, and then a couple of years before, prior to that in South Africa as well. I was with MSA prior to coming to Canada.
2: Nice. Well, so, we have MSA to thank in some way for bringing you to Canada then. Maybe.
3: Yeah, so. yeah, we do. And I've, I've been in a multitude of roles, mostly sales-focused, but I have been in marketing roles as well. Um, and, you know, Regional territory manager roles, specific strategic account type roles, that kind of thing.
2: So, well, Sean, I think the focus for today's conversation is really um, uh, how you interface with industrial distribution and how the how you go about you know kind of bringing your brand to life and driving sales within that industrial distribution channel. Um. And and I guess in some way the challenges in doing that yeah. uh, here in 2021.
1: <laughs> well, and I, I think that that really gets to the heart of it. You know, like what uh, what are you going through, and what do what are you seeing these days that is truly making things different and difficult for you?
3: Yeah, it does, and it it's certainly uh, different now than it was uh, a couple of um, years ago. Um. Yeah, so everything's changed a lot in the last, you know, eighteen months. Certainly, last twelve months. But and everyone's talking about it. There's been a, a lot of uh, um, discussion with regards to you know, how it's sped up this whole process of uh, digital transformation. And there's so much talk around it. It's probably you know, nauseating at this point. But the reality is, it has changed a lot, and it has it has certainly evolved a lot. And for industrial B two B space where we live, you know, we've we've had to cram. A, a massive amount of um, time into a very short, short period of time because retail has been going through it for years, and you know even other more um, sophisticated B two B has been going through the same transition for many years, and for us it's it's just been thrown at us really really quickly. So th- there's a there's a lot of. Um, opportunity for us to really ramp up and speed up. And with regards to the digital brand itself, everything's online now. A a year ago, this time last year, people were still talking about trade shows. People were still talking about seminars, events, uh, making sales calls, uh, that kind of thing. Starting to come back a little bit, but certainly no trade shows for the foreseeable future. Certainly a lot of that touch, hands-on interaction is gone. So every single you know, exp- product experience now starts online. It, it's that's where it is. So you, you, you've got to you've got to be have or be on the top of your game from that perspective in order to uh, actually be relevant at all. So,
2: so as you've um, as the pandemic has really kind of driven you to kind of double down on that digital presence and understand that it's a bit of a digital first world. Um, have you found that the industrial distribution is um i guess uh, uh similarly incented to move fast and to change fast or uh what are you bumping up against there
3: so i think i think they are and they have for for the most part they recognize the need they recognize the um the opportunity uh, i think what they struggle with in many cases is is how to go about it and how to do it how to to ramp up how to you know what's important what isn't where the value lies where um, they play a role in this and it, it, I think a lot of cases they struggle with it um, you know a few years ago it was a case of you know we, we knew what we were doing we knew how to do it we've got this dance of fine art we've got you know a hundred so salespeople seventy branches whatever it is um, and it was it was just you know work the machine, oil the pieces that needed uh, oiling and tweaking and, and things would go well. And now all of a sudden it's all of that stopped and you've got to deal with an entirely new beast. And, and it's, they recognize it. They're just not quite sure how to do that and where, and where their value fits in, in on that. And, and they're obviously facing, you know, new competitors, new market ent- uh, entrants, you know, digital native people that are, are, you know, just didn't exist a few years ago. So, it's tough for them to, to do that. It's tough for us to do it as well. Um, as a manufacturer, we, we, we've we got to do it with them. Um, it's not, I mean, not them on their own. It's not us on our own. We're trying to do this together.
1: How have you adapted? Because, I mean, you, you talked a bit about the you know, the, those sales teams and how, you know, pre- only 12 months ago, people were still booking flights to go do sales calls and, and meet people at trade shows. How have you adapted those folks to this new role or this new world, I guess?
3: So from the sales side, I mean, obviously a lot of uh, digital uh, enablement on their their behalf and technology technology coming to, to force, um, you know, trying to do more uh, online webinars, uh, that type of thing. And then from a product side you know we've we've ramped up the our um uh product content the availability the the type that's available you know, the, the attributes the quality of the the data quality of the contents the the images we've done as much as we can to improve that because obviously recognizing that that's where people are are going to go to even our sales team uh in many instances you know are going to be having to share that online when Um, And the branding has to be good. You want to maintain that branding on it. It can't just be a piece of paper with all the the features and benefits. Uh, That's that's not going to cut it.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and I mean, if you're creating all this great new content and, you know, your sales team is taking advantage of it and they're using their digital channels, how are you finding that uh, the distributors are, are... helping you bring that to life? Because obviously, you know, the, those sales teams and those trade shows are, you know, you're bringing your brand presence, you're, you're kind of bringing that alive there. But uh, when you don't control that and and when the distributors control a lot of the, uh, the sales channels for it, how are you finding their adoption of, of this increase in quality of content and photography and, and all that.
3: They, I think for the most part, they aren't doing a great job of that. And that's because of where they were a few years ago and, and the, and the mindset of a, of an industrial, certainly an industrial B2B company um, that, you know, it was the brand's job to look after the brand and we would fulfill that demand for um, full, the need and do whatever we have to do and, um, to, you know, warehouse it, stock it, keep it in. And, you know, a lot of the the pretty pictures and everything was <laughs> dependent on the brand itself. And we we need that now. We need them to be more involved in that. We need to have our brand presence down there. You know, with the commoditization of a lot of products, I mean, it doesn't just affect MSA and, and ours. It, it's, it's across the board. Um, you know, especially online, it's so much harder to stand out. Uh, if you haven't got a, a, a good a good brand uh, essence you're going to struggle to to stand out from all the other commodity type products out there and we can't do that alone we need to do that with our channel partners and they need to be the the source of the research i think a lot of them still feel that they if they have good attributes and good product content that that will serve them well um it only gets you in the game it doesn't serve you well for your customers as we know everybody's researching online i mean if a year and a half ago they were talking about 60% of research starts online. Well now it all does. I and mean, there's no there's no percentage. It's just that it does that's where it starts. So if you if you've only got you know weights, dimensions and measures for a product, then you're not you're not really researching. You can fulfill an order and you can certainly tell someone about it, but that's not going to help a customer research the product. And and industrial buyers certainly have a very high you know Level of, of um, requirements for you know, technical specifications, white papers. They want to see more. They want to. They want to go to this website, and if it's a distributor, channel partner of a website, do the research, understand um, the products, learn more about it. Because if they're not researching it on your site, they're going to research it on somebody else's. Uh, they, there's there's not a, there's not much of an option for them to to do anything else. They've, they've got to go on a website to research it. So it might as well be yours. So that you can at least capture the customer and hopefully capture the transaction as, as it takes place. Um and if you haven't got those tools, those white papers, the technical specs, the great 360 v- uh, um, images, videos, good application shots, then you're you're just a fulfillment. That's all you are. You're 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 not adding any value into the chain. Do
2: uh, you find I, I guess I'm cu- curious, um, my guess is is that industrial distribution varies greatly in their ability to, in some ways, intake, consume, and frankly distribute that content. Um, they, you know, the brands can invest in it and can create it, but they, in some ways, some of their platforms are almost creating for the lowest common denominator, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. and it must be challenging for a brand like. MSA to stand out and to really, you know, you're, you're investing more than your competition. You're a premium brand. you
1: leader in the category. Um, how do you appear that way yeah. when you're on one of the distribution websites? Exactly right.
3: Yeah. Well, that's exactly it. I mean, we're, we're obviously looking at how we do, we, 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 we do audits of um, our, our key channel partners' websites, have a look at it, go through it, um, you know, measure the, the, the type of content they've got on there. Um, whether they've got the most recent imagery, what sort of attributes they've got. And we have that all available for these people. Um, and we're going through and looking at it and saying, yeah, you know, you have or you haven't got it. How can you improve it? What do we need to help you to do it? And you're right. Some of them don't have the level of sophistication. You know, it's, well, we need to have an Excel spreadsheet with these columns filled out. Um, and, you know, we only, have, we only have the ability to have one image. And what well, can you have in documents? No, we don't have that. Type. So yeah, it is. And, it, and yet you've got the other extreme where, you know, your large industrial uh, distributors who really have got all that ability and all that, um, that there as well. And you can, you can do that. And it's, and it's, it, it's easy to do to migrate to them, but I'm, you know, that's not fair for a lot of these other guys who, who, who really do have a lot of um, market share and a lot of potential. They just, they struggle technologi- uh, technologically to do it and, and that's where we can try and help them. We, you know, if there's another way we can give it to you we don't have to syndicate with you. We don't have to use APIs and get all you know, sophisticated on you. but is there something else? Do we do you have an FTP drop a box we can just drop stuff into? Do you have you know, a Dropbox account? We can we try to you know, we've created lots of digital catalogs uh, with all our content so that they can just download it whatever however format they want. Um, make, try and make it simple for them to digest and, and input as well, because we appreciate that, that not everyone's got, you know, ten million dollar type uh, systems to do this platform. So,
1: do you, please go ahead. I was just going to say, like, do you think that this is primarily a technology limitation of the distributors, just not being quite sophisticated enough, or is it? I, the, the, the word limitation of desire. Yeah, like the word isn't malicious. They're they're obviously not doing this intentionally oh. to try and and uh, and make it difficult for brands to kind of get their messaging across. But do they just not value it, or are they technically limited?
3: I think it's both. I think there's a technological uh, limitation on perhaps some of the you know the smaller medium um, sized uh, channels, and we have a lot of them. Um, we, we don't have as many as some of our competitors but we've got a fair size of them, um, quantity of them, and I think for the most part where they're not technologically uh, inhibited, they certainly lack the the vision and, and feel that it's just a, it's a transactional site. You know, our e-commerce site is a chart. Trans- we have to have a website that, that it can do e-commerce because that's what everyone's looking for. Um, so they go about and they do that. Um, and that's fine. But that's, as we said, like that's entry stakes. That's not, you're, you're not even really competing at that point. You've just, you just scratching the surface, um, so I think it's I think it's both. I think yeah, there's a technological aspect from some channel partners and distributors, uh, but a lot of them I don't feel uh, I feel don't actually appreciate what it is that their site really needs to be. It's it's not just to do a transaction. If it's just to do a transaction, there are a million other ways you can do it.
0: slash sample abm i want
2: to try to like stick with the canadian content of today's episode and you know the wayne gretzky quote about skating to where the puck is going and i'm trying to think about where the puck is going here we have you know the buying community is changing a lot of people would argue that uh, covid is going to cause a more rapid acceleration in the buying community i.e A lot of early retirements, things of that sort, new people stepping into procurement roles, the role of distributors or the the customers that they serve, they're they're certainly evolving. Um, I, I guess I'm wondering, do you think that, you know, you painted a bit of a picture that there's some that maybe just don't get it. They don't have the technology to power it and they maybe don't value it all that much do you see that industrial distribution is heading towards any kind of significant correction, if you will, where you're going to have a, um, a, a, a reduction in the number of players in favor of those that truly understand how to deliver an online experience?
3: I do. Um, I think there's certainly going to be some consolidation within the market. Um, I think those that figure out you know, what their value is in the, in the, the chain and, and can recognize and play to that, um, will certainly – there's always a need for that. Those that don't, that, you know, try and be everything to everyone uh, are probably not going to succeed. And I think there's – yeah, there's, there's certainly going to be some consolidation in the market. I don't think it's going to be horrific or and, and it's not going to be all within the space of the next, you know, five years. It's going to take a, a, a you know period of time, and, and who knows what would have changed in 10 years' time anyhow. Um, so uh, – Yeah, there's certainly going to be, I mean, hopefully we we eventually get out of COVID by then, but uh, (laughs) there's certainly going to be some consolidation in the market. There there just, there there is. I don't know if it's going to be a a reckoning where all of a sudden you turn and say, gosh, within the last like three months, you know, 20%, 30% of the the distributors have all merged and suddenly consolidated. I think it's going to be quite a gradual uh, shift. Hmm.
2: I wonder, you know, I don't know. I mean, I just think that um – you know, we've seen a a sea change in e-commerce behavior, certainly on the consumer side over the past year. Mm. That hasn't been maybe quite as pronounced in B two B e-com, but it's
0: it's, it's not far behind.
2: Yeah, but, exactly. And I, yeah. I just wonder if uh, you know, at some point, it's going to get get busy living, get busy dying type of thing.
3: You mm. know? Sorry, no, I, th- I think it will. I mean, I do agree with you that there is there is a sea change. I don't know if it's as pronounced as some of the retail has been, the retail certainly, you know, your high street stores that, that had, you know, had no need to have a, uh, a website 12 months ago have, have had to. So they've, they've absolutely had to most distributors already had, they already were on the, on the, the growth there. You know, they weren't, uh, Maybe as sophisticated as some of your, your your big retail chains or groups, but they they were on the the path already. They had some investment in there. People have been talking about this for a while, and a lot in a lot of cases, their customers have been demanding it. Um, you know, if you have a contract with your local you know, pulp mill or whatever it is, you chances are you're going to maybe have some EDI type. Uh, um, level of ordering with from them, you're going to have a, a website of sorts that you know people can select product from. So I think, yeah, I think it has been. It, it, although the 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 shift has been dramatic in terms of catching up to uh, retail uh, e-commerce uh, from a big retail perspective, I think the, the sea of change that you've seen on the retail side is more from the small people that have had to just suddenly change their entire business models, which hasn't happened in B2B. They haven't changed their entire business model. They've had to just shift. It's a it's a pivot as opposed to entire 360 or 180 degree change. Right. That's a fair point.
1: I, I wonder, I mean, you know, one of the things that we've heard from other uh, B2B manufacturers is that, you know, this could push them in the direction of doing their own e-commerce fulfillment to compete somewhat directly with their distribution channel. And, you know, want to make clear to all MSA's distributors that that's not necessarily what we're saying. But, you know, like is is that something that you think a lot of manufacturers are considering now that maybe they when maybe they weren't before that they might accelerate their own e-commerce offering?
3: I think people are investigating that. I think brands are looking at it. As I said earlier, you know, if you if your only function in the chain is to fulfill a transaction, um and if, if you don't carry inventory and you're not actually doing anything else, then, you know, some brands are going to look at that and say, well, what's your value? I think there's certainly, yeah, there, there's certainly a, 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 an element of that that's happening. Every brand is obviously investigating that. Every brand is going to be looking after itself. I mean, first and foremost, that's what we have to do. Um, And where there's that opportunity, we will. I think MSA's perspective on that will be that we will partner closer Um, and, you know, invest more heavily with distributors that actually want to help us and help grow our brand as opposed to simply commoditize our products uh, and, and offer a me too type solution. If you know, we, we would prefer to do that. We really don't want to, cause that's it's not what we do. We've, we've, we've made a, we've done really well as a company by really sticking in our lane and swimming in, in our lane and doing what, what we do well uh, and you know, fulfilling individual orders to, you know or multiples and multitudes of uh, customers. This is not something we we've ever really want to do, or it's it's yeah, it's beyond us at this point. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's
2: interesting because that it, it, the debate is often framed as one of you know manufacturers rolling their own versus working through distribution partners. But I think that this is the change that's actually going yeah. to happen. Is um, you know they're gonna go to the the distributors that are that are. Pointing to the way to what's next, and actually uh, playing well with others, if you yeah. will, and helping that brand come to life, and those that are just commoditizing it um, are, are going to find themselves without as much supply over time. You know? Yeah, I
1: think yeah. you're probably right. Yeah, what, Sean? What do you think in in terms of? Helping to bring your brand to life. I mean, we, we've spoken a bit about the the quality, the upping of quality of content, and making things available in whatever way possible you can to uh, to your distribution partners. What do you think? Um, what do you think is next in terms of truly kind of helping to bring your brands, helping manufacturing brands come to life on uh, on distribution channels? Like, where where do you need to go? Where do distributors need to go? What are you What are you excited about?
3: I think the you know. the the crown jewel in all this would be to have a a totally syndicated platform type um, scenario where we manage all our contents on a a, a channel partner distributors website within the parameters that they define. Um, I don't know if that's a realistic uh, expectation within the next few years, but I think the next step would certainly be for us to be able to, to better show the brand. Um, have things like, you know, brand landing pages um, that, you know, highlight the MSA brand, um, have more, you know, as I, as I mentioned earlier, like more more of the content, the digital-type content we're able to offer, um, have place for, you know, the the, the documents, the sell, sell, the excel sheets, the uh, white papers, technical briefs, that kind of thing. Um, and, and, yeah, overall, to be able to just display the brand better, to even even have our logo, for one. Um, it, it sounds like yeah, a, I'm not asking for much, this, I mean, Sean. You know. Just give me, throw a brother a logo yeah, here. Just, let us at least have our product with a logo on the page. Um, yeah. Just things, I think it's, yeah, it's, it, there's obviously, there's smaller steps we can take, and there's much bigger steps. And that depends on the sophistication of the, the distributor. So
2: There's one distributor that uh, shall remain nameless uh, that actually goes so far as to um, reframe part numbers and use their own numbers yeah Uh, so not only will we not let you have a logo or mention your brand but we won't even let them search by the manufacturer's part number
1: because we it seems like you're just shooting yourself in the foot i mean if if you are certainly leveraging your
2: space but uh, yeah yeah, i mean if if you're if you're a
1: buyer that's used to dealing with a specific product and you want to get it you know at at the best price for your company and you know that part number you're googling that part number number, you know exactly
3: yeah i mean yeah I'm all for if you if having your own numbers is part of your system and and it works, that's great. But suppressing our part number in favor of, of yours and not ever being able that that's not helping me as a brand grow. Um, and, and you've got a really captive audience to be able to do that. I mean, good for you. Um, but from our perspective, it's like, well, how do, how do how do I grow on that? I, I may be able to fulfill existing um uh, demand. I may be able to fulfill. You know, people that are looking for a you know, commodity type product but that's not going to help me as a brand grow and I'm, I'm really interested in growing my business I'm not interested in in status quo because that's that's not going to help me down the line so the only way I can grow my business is to improve my brand position and the only way I can do that is actually have more branding I, I don't I don't think we need we're asking for channel partners and distributors to you know plaster MSA branding all over their website so it just looks like an MSA page in fact I wouldn't want that. Um, but have it so that it stands on its own so that you can clearly identify and you know, determine, Hey, this is the MSA product and, and give us, give us opportunity to have a little bit of an MSA feel on you know the PDPs um, or on a, on a, um, a landing a brand landing page, just something. So we can, we can work with that. And that's going to help us a lot.
1: Yeah. I, I, I think that, you know, I mean, it shouldn't be a bridge too far to kind of get to get to the point where the brand is well represented, so that you're not just seen as a as just another provider mm-hmm. of a product that uh, of which maybe there's many. I, I don't know. You know. Yeah, exactly
2: right. I mean, uh, I, I think Sean, you've, uh, uh, you, you've painted uh, certainly a compelling picture that we're not asking for too much here. Yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs> no, we're not. Especially not with just the logo, but <clears throat> yeah, it's just a, it's a. I mean, we are asking a lot in some senses, and for some distributors, there may be a lot um, as you mentioned, some they don't want that they don't want to have that they feel that having five hard hats, for instance, on offer and they all meet the same standard and they all have you know four point suspensions uh and they're all white is good that's that's you know they want to be able to the customer to choose the lowest price one out of those five um, that's not helping me. So, yeah, I I think for that guy, we're asking a lot. If we want a logo on there, we're asking a ton.
2: I I guess what we're really saying is that it would be nice um, as uh, the industrial distribution channel evolves, that it evolves to uh, showcase other elements of value versus just price. Um, Rather than trying to drive all other components of value creation down to Uh, a spec sheet basically and then and then ultimately supply uh, or supply based upon price Uh, i think most manufacturers you know we move beyond the point where it's just a a a race to the bottom from a cost perspective and and you know it's more about what are the unique innovations that they can bring to certain applications and, and and certain use cases and and, and frankly, get a premium for those niche applications, and um, that's just the world of modern manufacturing. I think, and um, the distribution channels, I think, would be well served to recognize that and recognize that the buyers that they so uh, want to serve are receptive to those other types of value, and it's not all about price.
3: I think that's an important aspect that you know ultimately we're in this to to sell to the buyer and and, satisfy the buyer's demands. Um, And looking at it from a selfish point of view where it's like, well, what do I want out of this? That's not going to help satisfy your your buyer's demands. Your buyers are, as I said earlier, they're they're researching. and People are going online. They're not just using your website as a transaction tool. They should be using it as a research tool. So if they're going online to to research the product, they need that. In most cases, they're going to want that Higher, a higher level of um, uh, information, more so than a retail chain would. I mean, I often – I don't care what's in things that I buy in the grocery store. I, you know, I couldn't tell you what's in some of the things I buy, which is probably bad, but I, <laughs> I, I don't know. But what is an industrial buyer has to know? They have to know the, everything that's in it. You know, they have to know what, what, what these pieces uh, are made of. They, know, they have to know what kind of temperature they can withstand because that that's important to them. So you know, you have to be industrial e-commerce has to be better than retail e-commerce, especially from a research research perspective.
1: Oh, that's that's an interesting point. I mean, you you don't even think about that. If somebody specs the wrong safety product, somebody's going to die. (laughs) It's different (laughs) than buying the cauliflower pasta versus the uh, (laughs) wheat based (laughs) pasta. You know, (laughs) it is
2: kind of odd. Somewhat related, we, I, you know, just the other night, we tried this uh, very heavy protein-based pasta. Delicious. I mean, yeah. I wonder what they're doing these days. But, <laughs> um, but it's just uh, you actually led me down the path of thinking about, you know, you think about, like say, a cereal box on the shelf at the store or something. Mm. What percentage of it is marketing and branding versus what percentage of it is ingredients and nutritional information. And in some way, that almost needs to be inverted yeah um in terms of um importance, importance in yeah. some way for the buyer but at the same time part of what we're saying is here is that brand's important too though yeah. right it can't be completely gone away there may be a bit of an inversion but it's not a complete elimination of that yeah. no.
3: on the cereal box. yeah i agree yeah. it's it's not a it's not a complete conversion because it it doesn't um it doesn't negate the fact you still want you still have trust in the brand um, people buy MSA products because they have, you know, a lot of times they have faith in the brand. They have faith in the product that we manufacture. They, we have a, you know, tradition of uh, rugged products that withstand good traditional <laughs> rugged environments where, where a lot of our products are used. Um, there's a huge difference between uh, a a gas detector that can withstand, you know a 10-foot drop versus one that looks pretty but it's not like much like my computer i'm using if i had to drop that 10 feet it would just shatter in a thousand pieces might do exactly the same thing but it's the environment it gets used in so you know that kind of thing people have faith in the msa brand for that so yeah we want to make sure that they see that brand and they go oh that's well it's an msa one that changes you know the discussion a little bit as opposed to okay well this is X, Y, Z versus this is MSA. I, I know MSA. Now I can do the bit more research and understand what it is.
2: Well, Sean, it's been a pleasure to chat with you today. I thank you for bringing your perspective to the show. It's uh, always uh, always nice to uh, chat with uh, somebody up here in the Great White North as well. <laughs> so, uh, You're welcome. It, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's been great to have you on the
3: show. No, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it, and uh, I hope everyone finds it a little bit useful.
1: Wonderful, thanks, Sean. Great, thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to the Cooler Ring with Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Don't miss a single manufacturing marketing insight. Subscribe now at KulaPartners.com/slash The Cooler Ring. That's K-U-L-A Partners.com/slash The Cooler Ring.